Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox-Starks. Hey guys, I hope that whenever and wherever you are in the world, you are following your hunches, your visions, the quick flashes of intuition that happen to just come across your field of inner vision just for a flash of a second and then it goes away. Usually it's a little bit of a reminder from Prime Creator to pay attention to your inner world, your inner life, your inner spirit. A couple months ago I got a flash, a flash of inspiration to go downtown and to talk to an artisan there. And I saw that he had uh, like an amethyst for me. And I just didn't feel good enough to go downtown. I just was like, nah, I felt kind of tired. I didn't feel very good. So I just kind of let it go. But about two or three days ago, I got a flash again of inspiration to go downtown and go to the artisans and I have a feeling that this was the same exact person that I was told to go talk to I have a feeling he was here before but today I, I went downtown to do some paperwork so that I could keep getting paid by the American government death benefits to raise my child Every year you have to fill out two pages of a form, asks you if your kid is still alive and still living with you, and if you've become a citizen of another country, and I haven't yet, thank God, (laughs) and they ask uh, if you've had a job, because if you've had a job and you make money from another job, they take all the money away from you. And they ask if you've saved any money. If you saved any money, then that means that you didn't deserve that much money anyway. If you managed to save $3,000 from the money they give you, for example, then guess what? In the following year, they will take $3,000 out of your pay. Totally crappy, right? Anyway, I didn't save anything because this is really, really freaking not a whole lot of money. (laughs) It's enough to live in a foreign country in South America, but not really enough to make it in the States. (laughs) Um, They were paying all three of us, and then they took away my oldest pay when he turned 18 and took away my pay when my youngest turned 16. We're in a foreign country, but they they don't care. 
And so we really needed that paid to live really well. And now we're like, uh, I mean, it's just, we're not making a whole lot here. Enough to, I mean, we're okay, but we're not so okay that we could just take trips every weekend or that we could, you know, have any luxury or any extras. I, I barely go downtown. When I had the more money, I would go downtown a lot more. And now it's like I have to plan three or four things at once because I don't have the $7 for the taxi there and back. I mean, round trip. You know, it's like I have to really strategically plan my downtown trips. And anyway, so a couple days ago, I got this intuition to go. And, and, and God showed me exactly what part of the central, like there's like the main park and God show me exactly where this artisanal person will be. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go. In fact, I'm going to go to go do the paperwork. And if I end up there, you know, I'll go. I, I believe you this time. Right. And so anyway, I went in and I got my paperwork done. It, it took, you know, like 20, 30 minutes. And my plan was to go to this uh, Chinese store next door and it's run by an Ecuadorian man, but all of the stuff is like imported from China. And he's got, and some of the stuff is like handmade duendes and some really cool magical stuff, like really powerful magical stuff. But you could buy Chinese coins. I mean, he's got a lot of cool stuff, like umbrellas, I just wild stuff, but things you can use for magical reasons or just to decorate your house, whatever. But I had bought some stuff that I mistaked for perfume and I got home and I went wait a minute this stuff isn't really perfume it feels weird on my skin (laughs) I got like apple blossom and orange blossom and like vanilla or something and I'm like this is really strange it's not exactly perfume and then I realized oh duh it was sitting next to these little holders where you put a candle in the bottom and in the top you put water with the oil and then it diffuses it's like an aromatherapy oil. It's not really aromatherapy, but it's kind of like that. And it's just to diffuse a nice scent throughout, you know, to change the energy of your environment. Well, by the time I was done with the paperwork, his, his shop was closed. I was so bummed. I'm like, okay, so that was to go to the right after leaving the shop I was in. So instead I went to the left because that's where the taxis are right in the very center of downtown. And as I I rounded the corner and it started raining and this guy um, that I passed earlier asked me if I want an umbrella and I said later, in about 30 minutes I will. And he's like, okay. And I found him on completely like a block away on another another corner. So I bought this really kick-ass umbrella for $5. It has its own little teeny tiny carrying case with the little with little straps for five bucks and it, it's really compact it fits in my purse but it, it's a full blown enormous umbrella and it I mean it would cover me and another person really easily and it's silver like space age almost like tinfoil or space age silver on the inside and navy blue on the outside it's really gorgeous anyway I'm really like, oh, it was a good purchase. It was kind of cool. And I like the little carry case. It's like special somehow. Anyway, so um, so I bought that from him. And then I and then I saw, I was looking, I went to the church, the new cathedral, which is, it's like 
the pathway in front of the church is pink marble. I mean, the place is just freaking gorgeous, gorgeous, amazing energy. So I'm like walking on the pink marble path looking for this family. The husband and wife are constantly bickering and the little, little old mother, her mother is the sweetest woman in the world. God bless her soul. She could barely see anymore, especially when it gets dark, it's hard for her to see. And so I, I decided to buy, you know, 10 candles from her little, little tiny candles. And, um, I got some purple and green candles and she was just the sweetest thing. She could barely see to see what candles I wanted. And I'd hand the bag to her while she opened it and counted the candles out. And I mean, 10 candles from her, a dollar 50. It's like, they're little tapered candles. They're not the big ones, but they're like six, about six inches tall. I mean, they're skinny, but they last about, I'd have to say four to six hours. They'll burn. I did a ritual with a candle that got the store that's smaller and it was four hours. And these, these are really good, high quality candles that these people, I think most of them they order, but they make them themselves. A lot of them. And, um, they're just, but they're, they're the official (coughs) candle and religious relic people (laughs) that they sell right in directly in front of the church. And they're there like every day. Except on, you know, of course, God's Day, Sunday. They're not there. But for the most part, they're all very sweet people. But the husband and wife are constantly bickering. So I'm constantly praying for them every time I go by them. And I pray for this old lady because she's just, God rest, you know, God bless her soul. She's like so beautiful, such a sweet and light spirit. And she's so happy to be doing what she's doing. And you could tell it's like hard on her body, you know, to, she has to sit down all the time to count the candles out and stuff. And, so but I was just, you know, like, you know, downtown experience. Usually you, you walk around and you spend 20 bucks and you come home with like big bags full of stuff usually. But, um, so I got the umbrella and I got the candles and I get figure finished my paperwork and, and I was thinking, well, I'm probably going to go to one of the, there's like a couple restaurants I could order a sandwich for my kid and, and get something for me to take home. Um, because I wasn't really sure what I was going to make for dinner yet. And I got here, or I, I, I was getting ready to get to that, that, that corner place. And lo and behold, the guy from my vision, I've seen his face probably three times, but once in the past week. And I saw his face and I was like surprised, like, oh my God. And he was like, oh my God. And we gave this look, each other look like, oh my God, it's you. And we got so happy. We hugged each other. And then I realized, I don't know this guy. (laughs) And he asked me where I'm from. And I'm like, oh, well, what the hell was that hug? That was so weird. So weird. So, you know, I told him, you know, I'm from California. And he said, and I said, well, where are you from? And he's like, I'm from Columbia. I'm like, of course you are, you know. Every man they feel like hugging ends up there from Columbia, right? <laughs> or just Colombian men are just, at least in my experience, are so genuine and sweet and heartwarming. And even if they're scoundrels, they're going to rob you. They're, they come across so charismatic that you're just like, ooh. <laughs> and I just had like my soul recognized his soul, though. And he was just standing there. 
And then I realized that he's standing there with another man who's getting all these like sticks out and he's like building a table. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. God told me to talk to this guy. So they built the table and they put the cloths and I was like, okay, they put a green cloth, one of my favorite colors. They put a purple like magenta-y cloth on one of my favorite colors. I'm like, oh, this is on, man. I know this is from my vision. That's how I know this guy. I literally had a vision like three, four days ago. I'm like, it's perfect for the portal day of 11-11 with the Taurus moon. And Taurus is all about luxury and fine things and um, getting out of our way so we're not as stubborn as we normally are. <laughs> and happy 11-11, guys, by the way. And a shout out to Kyle for writing me today and telling me happy 11-11, as well as to Nikolai, who wrote me and said happy 11-11. <laughs> and Emerald, and thank you, Emerald, for writing me um, today. We didn't talk about the 1111 thing, I don't think, but I'm so happy to hear from you and all of you. In fact, several of you have written me. Um, about four people added me on Instagram yesterday. And so thank you for that. Um, so anyway, I this guy just, he gets out and he's like very slowly putting each piece and I'm like, Oh my God, his art is incredible. He takes off this gorgeous necklace he was wearing and puts that on the table because that's for sale too. And he and he's like these necklaces, like the the crystals are like two inches long and they're just big, huge honking crystals, right? And the 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 fine detail he works, he does he does this with um, little tiny you know wires, just it's wire jewelry. You know, and he and his friend from Argentina was doing macrame, and then there was a lady that was hanging out with them, and she was from Venezuela, and her name was Blanca. So shout out to Blanca, even though she doesn't know about my show and she doesn't really know about, but she had such a glorious smile and such a beautiful energy, and she just sat there quietly while I was fascinated by uh, Victor's his name by Victor's work. I mean, his stuff is incredible. He's like, all these stones are from Argentina. These stones are from Madagascar. This stone over here, these groupings of stones I got from Mexico. And I mean, he had um, the, he had bones of dolphins that got caught in a pescador's net, a fisherman's net. And he asked to buy the bones, or he, I guess he got the bones for free. And he cleaned them up, and then he put, and he made them like wands. I mean, some of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen. I was sad there was a dolphin's bone. It made me sad, very sad. And I asked, there's one I was going to buy. I was just like, but the stone on it was something I've never seen in my life. And it was a black obsidian with a silver sheen. It blew my mind. I've seen obsidian with a gold sheen. I did mention this in my crystals episode that if you have black obsidian, that's just straight up obsidian. It will protect you from spirits, especially negative spirits and especially negative people. But when you have a, <coughs> excuse me, I'm having like some kind of weird allergy. 
<coughs> it feels like I'm inhaling lint and I know I'm not, so I don't know what's going on. Anyway, um, <coughs> so when you have a, a black obsidian with a gold sheen, so if you hold it up to the light and there's like a shimmery, it looks like a sea of swimming gold dots, like millions of gold dots. And, and you just look at it and it's one of the most gorgeous things you could ever see. And what I was told when I first bought that in the eighties, I bought, um, my boyfriend and I, um, I bought well for him, he bought it and it was an egg shaped obsidian polished perfectly with this gold sheen. And what we were told is that we need to be careful because it will attract disembodied spirits. So today, for the first time in my life, I see a black obsidian with a silver sheen. He says it's, it's obsidiana de Mexico. You know, it's obsidian from Mexico. And he was like, and I'm like, but it, it attracts spirits. He said, yes. And I'm like, I'm a shaman and I work with spirits. And he's like, yes. And one was attached to a dolphin bone. And I'm like, oh my God. And when I touched the dolphin bone, I thought I expected the dolphin to be with me, and it wasn't. So it's already gone. It's it's left. It didn't care that it died. It's just it's gone. Um, <clears throat> so and it, I, th- I feel feel that it died a long time ago. But he had a couple pieces with this. In fact, I'm going to write him. I got his number. I'm going to write him, and I think I want to go back tomorrow because tomorrow's his last day here. Anyway. Um, I just looked into his eyes for a couple seconds and I went, oh, you have labradorite, labradorite, don't you? And he's like, oh yeah, I do. And he, and he keeps pulling piece after piece, one, one more amazing than the other. And he's like, this is an agate, this is an agate, this is a this, this is a that. And then he pulls out this labradorite necklace, or it wasn't a necklace, it was a labradorite. Um, it was, wasn't a necklace yet, it was just the part that you put on a necklace, right? And I'm like, oh my God, this is beautiful. And his artwork surrounding it is absolutely gorgeous. Like, I have to have this. And he goes, well, this part is opal. Whoa, there's an opal. I didn't even notice the opal. I didn't even look at that because the labradorite itself is so beautiful. I have to have it. I could barely see it in the dark. I mean, it was raining in the dark. We're under this overhang next to this gorgeous marble church, okay, and cathedral. And, um... I just, I'm like, I have to have it. So I talked him down to $20. He wanted $25. And, but then I said, I'll throw in another five for a bracelet. And then I bought a bracelet from this other woman from Venezuela. So I bought something from each of the artisans that were there in their little grouping. And um, I got this gorgeous little macrame butterfly from this guy from Argentina. And it's black and, and chartreuse green. It's so adorable. Anyway. And from the lady from from uh, Venezuela, I've I've never seen this kind of a wo- woven pattern. So maybe I'll try to take a picture of, of this. But it's also it's two shades of green, and you know me and green. I love green, and just it's just my color: greens, turquoise, blue. That's just you know where I'm. This those are the colors in which I live. You know those are the the colors that really inspire and strike me and strike my heart. And Labradorite is right in that greenish color, right? And this Labradorite, 
I started to look at it a few minutes ago under the light, finally under the light. And I'm looking at this and you guys, this is going to, this is freaking blowing my mind in the center or a little bit off to the right of the center. So if I'm wearing it, it's going to be to the side nearest to my heart inside the labradorite is a J Remember my story about seeing a black J in the clouds and it disappeared and then a white J came up? Well, now I'm looking at this. There's a J in it. It's very, very obvious. There's a J in my Labradorite I just bought. Oh, and by the way, he made a necklace for me while I sat, sat there with him. And so now it's on the necklace and I wore it home and I'm just like, this is like, I think my favorite piece of jewelry. And so then I looked up a little bit more. I'm looking and looking. And then below the J, um, to the far right of it, is very faint, but it's very obvious. There's a D. (laughs) So God tells me to go find this artisan. And the minute I get there, he recognizes me and hugs me. Like our souls know each other. This was all freaking pre-planned. Pre-planned. And my my new necklace says JD on it, which I'm pretty damn sure are the initials of my twin flame. And by the way, my near twin flame, who is also JD, uh, Jude Decoff. Oh my God, I can't even say your name. I know you're going to hear this and laugh. I know you're going to laugh your ass off. <laughs> Jude Decoff. <laughs> That's what I need you right now. I need you to decoff me. I've been coughing all day. All right. But this says JD and that's, I know that's, I know that's the initials of my twin flame. Blew my fricking mind. It blew my fricking mind. So of course I'm going to be staring at this a lot just to see if there's anything else in it. I literally started to stare at this thinking that maybe a face would pop out because sometimes when there's a spirit attached to a piece you know, of jewelry or just an actual rock. And if the gnome or the spirit that is attached to it is still there, sometimes when they start to trust your energy, a face will pop up. And I thought, Ooh, I wonder if there's a face attached to this one. And lo and behold, there isn't, but there's the uh, initials of my, I'm pretty sure that's the initials of my twin flame. My near twin flame that wasn't as near as the twin flame I just met, Jude, my old, not my old twin flame, but he's my, you know, we all have near twin flames. So it's kind of like alternates in the, you know, like in a beauty contestant, like when a beauty uh, pageant contestant wins, if she cannot fulfill the duties in which she was there for, you know, hired for her, then the next person gets to fulfill that role. It's kind of like we have our near twins that will help us fulfill whatever role we need to until our real twin can come. And so, so my first, my first, um, you know, encounter with the twin flame thing, his initials were JF. (laughs) And now I met JD, Jude DeCoff, but he's not my, he's like my near twin. He's not my twin. I asked my higher guidance. 
I'm like, oh, I'm going to be so mad if my gorgeous, amazing Jude Dikoff, you know, if he's my twin flame and he's so very, very gay, this is absolute cruel, right? It's so cruel if he is my guy and gay, right? So I asked and, and, and he's like, what if I'm your twin? He's like, I have a feeling. I'm like, I'm going to ask. And I asked my higher guidance and no, actually he's my near twin. And I've known him since the beginning of time, at least the beginning of our time. And the same thing, obviously, with my twin flame. But here's his initials, JD. <laughs> and the and uh, the person I went out with two weeks ago, his initials are DJ. But he goes by his mill name. I'm like, that's really, really trippy as well. I don't think he's my twin flame, but... I'm like, I'm blown. I don't know. I hope this guy, hopefully this is going to inspire you guys because, you know, if, you know, don't assume that if you haven't found them yet or her yet, that they don't exist because they do exist. And if you know that your twin is incarnate and you just haven't found them yet, a lot of people have not found their twin yet. It's still a thing that don't worry. Don't worry. It's, it's coming. I know it's coming. This is a sign. This is literally, literally a sign from God based on another sign I had from God, based on the sign of the guy, random stranger recognizing me and hugging me. And it felt so familiar when I left. I didn't want to leave his side. And we hugged again as friends. And it was just like, I'm so glad to see you again. I mean, I, I feel like I haven't seen this guy in like a million years. And here he was in front of me handing me my twin flames initials on one of the most gorgeous pieces of jewelry I've ever seen. So I'm going to try to take a picture of it maybe, um, later, you know, tomorrow and try to put on Instagram. Once I get up there in the next day or two, I'll, I'll let you guys know. (sighs) Unbelievable. It's like just so completely unbelievable. It's exactly the size of the necklace I was wearing there too. It was like so funny. Like, Almost the same exact shape, too. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, I, I, seriously, I feel like I want to hold this tonight. I just want to hold it in my hand. I love Labradorite so much. And Anyway, um, all right, I'm going to get into it real quick because the reading tonight, I've already done that part first because I want to see how long it would take. So I don't want to make this too, too long. I have about another under 10 minutes to make it. That sweet spot, just under two hours. Ugh. So, uh, all right. Um, Disclosurenews.it for eleven eleven. By the way, the gateway is open. I hope you guys made some really good wishes and some really good choices today. Uh, they say basically today is mostly calm with only variations with a maximum of fourteen. So that's it. It happened between seven thirty nine thirty in the morning. That was it. All right, so now we go to Heart Math Institute. Oh, my God. I'm looking at this, and I'm going to tell you right now, I it's like the, um, I want to say it's Hulului. It looks like Hulului is off the damn chart. It went way above 500. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, I'm trying to get it. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, okay. Oh, my God, it did. Oh. It's incredible. Tomorrow, I bet it's going to be even bigger. 
All right. Well, we'll start with California. Start off at 19 hertz frequency on the Schumann resonance scale and went down to zero by 5 a.m. Ooh, we zeroed out three times. I'm looking at this going, today was not ever going to be an ordinary or common day. That's for damn sure. All right. Um, Hofu of Saudi Arabia started off at zero and ended up at zero. They've been zero for a long time. Remember when this happened in Africa, now it's happening in Saudi Arabia, just absolutely zeroed out. No Shimon residents whatsoever. I think it might have something to do with the magnetosphere, but I don't really know. Lithuania started off at 127 hertz frequency at midnight and went to only 124 uh, by 5 a.m. Alberta, Canada started off at 32 hertz frequency at midnight and they went down to zero in Alberta, Canada. At 5 a.m. they were at zero. In Northland, New Zealand, though, they were at 266 hertz frequency on the Schumann resonance scale at midnight and they went up to 200 and 77 they went up to 278 at 4 and by 5 they were back down to 277 77 being a really good master number alright so the very last one <laughs> the winner always Hulului South Africa they started off at 401 hertz frequency at midnight and by 5am they just rose steadily climbing ever upwards and onwards to 517 hertz frequency at 5 a.m. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that. All right. Um, oh, this is a nice one. A Course in Miracles uh, is a series of lessons that takes place over a, a full year you do one lesson a day for 365 days, and it is available through the Foundation of Inner Peace or for free off any app. There's a lot of A Course in Miracles app, apps. It's also called ACIM, short for, of course, A Course in Miracles. And you could find it at ACIM.org also for free. And that's where I'm going right now to lesson 154 because we have been doing this now for 154 days which I find very exciting and this is it I am among the ministers of God I am among the ministers of God so I'm going to read the first two paragraphs real quick. Let us today be neither arrogant nor falsely humble. We have gone beyond such foolishness. We cannot judge ourselves, nor need we do so. (laughs) I said that at the very end of the show too. Oh, wow. Love how it all comes together. These are but attempts to hold decision off and to delay commitment to our function. It is not our part to judge our worth. 
nor can we know what role is best for us. What we can do within a larger plan, we cannot see in its entirety. Our part is cast in heaven, not in hell. And what we think is weakness can be strength, and what we believe to be our strength often is arrogance. Whatever your appointed role may be, it was selected by the voice for God, whose function is to speak for you as well, seeing your strengths exactly as they are and equally aware of where they can be best applied, for what, to whom, and to when. He chooses and accepts your part for you. He doesn't work without your consent, without your own consent. He, but he is not deceived in what you are and listens only to his voice in you. I don't know if you heard that parrot. It went beep, 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 beep. <laughs> All right, when I said your, his voice in you. Oh, so many just everything coming in alignment together. I hope you guys feel the grand cacophony of life. Cacophony is like a series of loud, crazy noises. Um, in the event that English is your second language or that you're not a nerd like me, I, I'm a word nerd. I like crazy long nerd, nerd word words. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, I am among the ministers of God. And so are you. (laughs) And so is that parrot outside that just did it again. Beep, 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 beep. So cute. Those guys. I love those guys so much. Uh, They're so adorable. There's another family of parrots I discovered living in another grouping of trees across the street from the ones that I'm hearing. So they're like on the other side of my building. And as I was walking home the other day, they got into a big squabble and the whole family was like chasing each other. There was like, they all chased each other around the tree and then most of them landed. And then two of them were chasing each other in a circle around the tree, screaming really loud at each other. It was so freaking cute. And then after a few minutes, they all kind of, they died down. They, they kind of like, they went back in the tree and the rest of the family was like, kind of like a, it was like a collective sigh. They're like, like that it was like so funny I was like oh the parrots are so adorable today I looked for my pigeons and they weren't there and I I I said I really miss the pigeons and I went and talked to my son and three minutes later I turned in there they're, they're staring at me in the window they they're psychic with me my pigeons they're so adorable I swear to god if I if I get rich on my investments and I buy a house my son and I talked about kidnapping our pigeons and just taking them with us, but we're not going to do it because they're wild animals and they have their children that they've given birth to or, well, you know, given egg to, I guess. And I think they have a girl and a boy and the boy came up and he's looking really normal. His weird beak fell off and he's, you know, they have the normal sized beak underneath the egg beak. And he came and he's just staring at me in the window and just like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was so cool. So the the one son is starting to visit me and the other one hasn't come up. I know she's a I just feel like she's a female and she's got um, 
more white and the and the boy has more gray like his dad and she's got more white like her mom but I don't know I just love the birds I just like I'm living on the third floor so I kind of feel like I'm almost a part of their world not quite but the sweet spot for pigeons is like I think between the third and fifth or sixth floors of most buildings and when you're in the eighth floor they don't really come visit you that that high of level I discovered that when I lived on the eighth floor I'm like how come there's no birds up here it was very strange. It was like they only go between like the third and the, you know, when they're going to roost or sit and hang out. And they're on the ground a lot. They're ground birds, but they, they live high up. I just thought it was weird. All right. Another thing I find is weird is there's a brand new TV show called Green Eggs and Ham. One of my favorite books when I was a kid. I always loved the crazy nonsensical crap. Whereas my oldest kid had to listen to me talk why to read the Encyclopedia Britannica. That was great fun. <laughs> I was just like, what? I want to read the nonsense books. And I mean, she gave me this look when she was very little and she was just like, oh my God, mom. Oh my God. Like she just gave me this look like, what, you think I'm a moron? Like, what is this? It's like, it's like books for like insane people. And it was like the look she gave me like, like fine these were my favorite books and she just started laughing like and she gave me another look like yeah they're for insane and crazy people which obviously is you (laughs) she's like two years old oh my god now now he's i think now he might like the the absurdist things that i liked but he's still very serious like for fun taking quantum mechanics classes it's like he he sent me like a, a 10 or 15 page paper on the experiments that they've done after Schrodinger's cat. I haven't read it yet, but it's like really deep. I'm like, Oh my God. It's like from the cat's perspective and it's like suicidal, um, ideas versus immortality in the mind of the cat in the Schrodinger's cat box experiment. I mean, it's like really deep. It's like really intense. It's like, and it's a whole nother set of math. There's like mathematical formulas, I think, in this paper. I haven't read it all. Like I said, I just read a couple pages of it so far, but it's just like, anytime I have a conversation with my oldest kid, it's like, I have to like look up a lot of stuff. I have to like, you know, I appreciate it though. I love it. I love that both my kids keep me on my toes and my youngest before he fell asleep tonight, he says, so, um, I'm going to get back into learning Russian. Do you want to learn Russian with me? I'm like, yeah, I do. I've been thinking about it too. So now we're going to go back to our Russian lessons to learn Russian. And they both keep me on my toes. It's like both, both my kids are just like, I don't know. The kids being born today are even more so, you know, like the millennials are like absolutely incredible. You know, it's like when we were kids, we were just like, I want candy. I want ice cream. Let's read green eggs and ham. You know, like I just feel like we were complete. We were kind of dumb. I mean, compared to, and I, and I've always been a smart kid. So I'm like, how is it that I look back on my childhood that I thought was fun and amazing. And I look back at myself. I'm like, I was kind of dumb, you know, like super weird. Like, and in here, my kids were born so intelligent I'm so grateful for that, but 
I'm just like, I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> Both my kids are great and it's kind of, it's, I'm really grateful to it, but it's not just my kids. It's all the kids that are born, like all the millennials and then all the brand new kids coming in. I heard something about the other day and I can't remember exactly what it is. Oh, it was from Why So Serious. I've got to look it up again and I'll tell you guys, but if you are like starting to have kids or grandkids right now, I want you to pay attention to the spiritual stuff. Like they're just pure rainbow children. They're just like filled with light and energy and they're being and kids being born now from this point forward are going to be fifth dimensional born beings like the Pleiadians are. I just want to put that bug in your ear because that's really intense. They're higher vibration and they're higher intelligence. I think the millennials are higher intelligence than the rest of us. Anyway, that's it guys. I'm going to, I'm going to take off because, um, I'm going to take a quick break, and then when I come back, we're going to read The Spirits Book by Alan Kardec from the year 1857, right after this message. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you. Part 9 of The Spirit's Book, written by Alain Kardec in Paris, France, and published in the year 1857. We're on page 175 out of 429, which means we probably have 11 more episodes to go on this. So I hope that you are enjoying it. I am very much enjoying reading this book and getting the information. Some of it is filling in the blanks for me and only just one or two points. And if I have a contention with something, I'll mention it just like last week with the twin flame thing. Um, I'm not sure that these spirits are a hundred percent in the know on everything. They're just spirits, people who passed, before us, they know the majority of what they know based on what they've heard or researched. But I feel like some of the information isn't a hundred percent right. But for the most part, 95% of it is. So we're going to continue. Remembrance of corporeal existence. Question 304. Does spirit remember his corporeal existence? The spirit's answer, yes. Having lived many times as a human being, he remembers what he has been and often smiles pityingly at the follies of his past. And 
Alan Kardec adds a sentence to that. He says, as a man who has reached the age of reason, smiles at the follies of his youth and the silliness of his childhood. Okay, question 305. Does the remembrance of his corporeal existence present itself to a spirit complete and spontaneously immediately after his death? The spirits say, no, it comes back to him little by little in proportion as he fixes his attention upon it, as objects gradually become visible out of a fog. (coughs) Question 306. Does a spirit remember the details of all the events of his life? Does he take in the whole of his life at a single retrospective glance? The spirit's answer. He remembers the things of his life more or less distinctly and in detail, according to the influence they have exercised on his state as a spirit. But you can easily understand that there are many things in his life to which he attaches no importance and which he does not even seek to remember. And Alan Kardec, uh, he follows up with a question, could he remember them if he wished to do so? And the answer is, he has the power of recalling the most minute details of every incident of his life and even of his thoughts. But when no useful purpose would be served by exerting this power, he does not exert it. All right. Question 307. In what way does his past life present itself to a spirit's memory? Is it through an effort of his imagination or is it like a picture displayed before his eyes? The spirit's answer, it comes back to him in both ways. All the actions which he has an interest in remembering appear to him as though they were present. The others are seen by him more or less vaguely in his thought or are entirely forgotten. The more dematerialized he is, the less importance does he attach to material things. It has often happened to you on evoking some wandering spirit who has just left the earth to find that he remembers neither the names of persons whom he liked nor details which to you appear to be important. He cares but little about them and they have faded from his memory, but you always find that he perfectly remembers the main facts of his life, which have conduced to his intellectual and moral progress. Question 308. Does the spirit remember all the existences which have preceded the one he has just quitted? The spirits say, his entire past is spread out before him like the stages already accomplished by a traveler. But as we've told you, he does not remember all of his past actions with absolute precision. He remembers them more or less clearly in proportion to the influence they've had upon his present state. As to his earliest existences, those which may be regarded as constituting the, spirit, the period of spirit infancy they are lost in vagueness and disappear in the night of oblivion 
Question 309. How does the spirit regard the body he has just quitted? Spirits say, As an uncomfortable garment that hampered him, and he is delighted to be rid of it. A follow-up question. What feeling is produced in him by seeing the the decomposition of his body? The spirits say, almost always that of indifference as something about which he no longer cares. 310. After a time, does the spirit recognize the mortal remains or other objects that once belonged to him? Uh, spirits answer, sometimes he does so, but this depends on more or less elevated point of view from which he regards terrestrial things. Question 311. Is the spirit's attention attracted to the material relics of himself by the respect entertained for those objects by his survivors? And does he see this respect with pleasure? Uh, The spirit's answer. A spirit is always gratified at being held in kindly remembrance by those he he has left. The objects thus preserved in remembrance of him serve to recall him to the memory of those by whom they are preserved, but it is the action of their thought which attracts him and not those objects. Question 312. Do spirits retain the remembrance of sufferings endured by them in their last corporeal existence? The spirits say they frequently do so, and this remembrance makes them realize all the more vividly the worth of the felicity they enjoy as spirits. Question 313. Does he who has been happy down here regret his terrestrial enjoyments on quitting the earth? All right, I had to read that one to myself for a minute. (laughs) The spirits answer, Only spirits of inferior degree can regret material satisfactions in harmony with impurity of nature and which are expiated by suffering. For spirits of higher degrees of elevation, the happiness of eternity is immeasurably preferable to the ephemeral pleasures of the earthly life. And then Alan Kardec has a little comment. He says, as the adult despises watch constituted the delights of his infancy. I I don't think anyone despises their babyhood. I mean, even if you do remember it, do you despise it? I hated that mobile in my crib. I mean, you know... (laughs) I despise is like uh, quite a strong word. That's crazy, right? I, I maybe maybe that was just translated wrong. I we have to believe. <laughs> I would say that I hated my diapers. I mean, you know, like what what about? Okay, whatever. Question three hundred and fourteen. 
when a man who has commenced a series of important labors in view of some useful end has seen these labors in, interrupted by death, does he in the other world feel regret at having had to leave them unfinished? The spirits answer, no, because he sees that others are destined to complete them. On the contrary, he endeavors to act upon the minds of other human beings so as to lead them to carry on what he had begun. His aim while upon the earth was to be useful to the human race. His aim is the same in the spirit world. Question 315. When a man has left behind him works of art or of literature, does he preserve for them in the other life? the interest he took in them while living upon the earth. And the spirits say he judges them from another point of view, according to his elevation. And he often blames what he formerly admired. Huh? Okay. Question 316. Does a spirit take an interest in the labors which are going on upon the earth in the progress of the arts and sciences? And the spirits answer, that depends on his degree of elevation and on the mission he may have to fulfill. What appears magnificent to you often appears a very small matter to the spirits. If they take an interest in it, it is only as a man learning takes an interest in the work of a schoolboy. They examine whatever indicates the elevation of incarnated spirits and mark the degree of their progress. Question 317. Do spirits after death retain any preference for their native country? And the spirits answer, for spirits of elevated degree, their country is the universe. In regard to the earth, their only preference is for the place in which there is the greatest number of persons with whom they are in sympathy. So Alan Kardec adds a very long paragraph. He says, The situation of spirits and their way of looking at things are infinitely varied according to their various degrees of moral and intellectual development. Spirits of a high order generally make but short sojourns upon the earth. All that goes on here is so paltry in comparison with the grandeurs of infinity. The matters to which men attribute most importance appear to them so puerile that the things of this earth have very little interest for them unless they have been sent to it for the purpose of quickening the progress of its people. Spirits of lower degree visit our earth more frequently, but they, are ju- but they judge its affairs from a higher point of view than that of their corporeal life. The common ruck of spirits may be said to be sedentary. Among us, they constitute the great mass of the ambient population of the invisible world. They retain very much the same ideas, tastes, and tendencies which they had while clothed with the corporeal envelope and mix themselves up with our gatherings, our occupations, our amusements, in all of which they take a part more or less active according to their character. Being no longer able to satisfy their material passions, 
They take delight in witnessing the excesses of those who abandon themselves to their indulgence, to which they excite them by every means in their power. Among their number are some who are better disposed and who see and observe in order to acquire knowledge and to advance. All right, question 318. Do spirits modify their ideas in the other life? The spirits answer, very considerably. A spirit's ideas undergo very great modifications in proportion as he becomes dematerialized. He may sometimes retain the same ideas for a long period, but little by little the influence of matter diminishes, and he sees more clearly. It is then that he seeks for the means of advancing. Question 319. As spirits had already lived in the other world before being incarnated, why do they feel astonished on re-entering that world? The answer of the spirits This feeling is only momentary and results from the confusion that follows their waking. They soon recover knowledge of themselves as the memory of the past comes back to them and the impression of the terrestrial life becomes effaced. Okay, here's the next section. Commemoration of the dead. Funerals. Question 320. Are spirits affected by the remembrance of those whom they have loved on earth? The spirits answer, very much more so than you are apt to suppose. If they are happy, this remembrance adds to their happiness. If they are unhappy, it affords them consolation. Question 321. Are spirits specially attracted towards their friends upon the earth by the return of the day which, in some countries, is consecrated to the memory of those who have quitted this life? Do they make it a point to meet those who on that day go to pray beside the graves where their mortal remains are interred? Spirits answer, Spirits answer to the call of affectionate remembrance on that lay as they do on any other day. Follow-up question. Do they, on that day, go specially to the burial place of their corporeal body? Spirits answer, they go to the cemeteries in greater numbers on that day because called thither by the thoughts of a greater number of persons. But each spirit goes solely for his own friends and not for the crowd of those who care nothing about him. Follow-up question. In what form do they come to these places, and what would be their appearance if they could render themselves visible to us? Spirits answer. The form and appearance by which they were known during their lifetime. Question 322. Do the spirits of those who are forgotten and whose graves no one visits Go to the cemeteries notwithstanding this neglect? Do they feel regret at seeing that no one remembers them? The spirits say, What is the earth to them? They are only linked to it by the heart. If upon the earth no affection is felt for a spirit, there is nothing that can attach him to it. He has the whole universe before him. 
Question 323. Does a visit made to his grave give more pleasure to his spirit than a prayer offered for him by friends in their own home? The spirit's answer, a visit made to his grave is a way of showing to his spirit that he is not forgotten. It is a sign. As I have told you, it is the prayer that sanctifies the action of the memory. The place where it is offered is of little importance if it comes from the heart. Whew. Cross off going to grandpa's grave off the list. Because <laughs> I love him and he knows, but I don't need to go see where, you know, his body is. It's kind of weird, right? Anyway, <laughs> question 324. When statues or other monuments are erected to persons who have quitted this life, are the spirits of those persons present at their inauguration? And do they witness such ceremonies with pleasure? Spirits say, Spirits often attend on such occasions when able to do so, but they attach less importance to the honors paid to them than to the remembrance in which they are held. Question 325. What makes some persons desire to be buried in one place rather than in another? Do they go thither more willingly offer their death? What does that even mean? Do they go thither more willingly? I'm going to read that again. I think there's a mistake here. Okay, question 325. What makes some persons desire to be buried in one place rather than another? Do they go thither more willingly? Offer their death? I don't know. And it is a sign of inferiority. Oh, and is it a sign of inferiority on the part of a spirit that lie or that he should attribute importance to a matter so purely material? They say that desire is prompted by a spirit's affection for certain places and is a sign of moral inferiority. What? To an elevated spirit. What is one spot of earth more than another? Does he not know that his soul will be reunited with those who he loves, even though their bones are separated? Okay. I don't think it's moral inferiority. Do you guys? I mean, that doesn't, that sounds so judgmental and snarky to me. Like, I don't know. Okay, anyway, it's, I mean, it's not a massive importance, but I don't know. Follow-up question, is it futile to bring together the mortal remains of all the members of a family in the same burial place? And the spirits answer, such reunion is of little importance to the spirits. But it is useful to men whose remembrance of those who've gone before them is thus strengthened and rendered more serious. Oh, okay. Question 326. When the soul has returned into spirit life, is it gratified by the honors paid to its mortal remains? The spirits say, 
When a spirit has reached a certain degree of advancement, he is purified from terrestrial vanities, for he comprehends their futility. But there are many spirits who, in the early period of their return to the other life, take great pleasure in the honors paid to their memory, or are much disturbed at finding themselves forgotten, for they still retain some of the false ideas they held during their earthly life. Question 327. Ha, that's a big one. Do spirits ever attend their own funerals? They say, spirits very often do so, but in many cases without understanding what's going on, being still in the state of confusion that usually follows death. By the way, that's why you need to bury people three days after they die. No cremation before three days because of that confusion stage and also the fact that the body can still feel for three days after. Ugh, gross, right? Oh, the um, follow-up question. Do they feel flattered by the presence of a large concourse of persons at their funeral? Spirits answer, more or less so, according to the sentiment which has brought them together. Okay. Question 328. Is a spirit ever present at the meetings of his heirs? The spirits answer, almost always. Providence has so ordained it for the spirit's own instruction and for the chastisement of selfishness. The deceased is thus enabled to judge of the worth of the protestations of affection and devotion addressed to him during his life and his disappointment on witnessing the rapacity of those who dispute the property he has left is often very great. But the punishment of greedy heirs will come in due time. Yeah. Rapacity could also maybe be pronounced rapacity. (laughs) R-A-P-A-C-I-T-Y. I I don't know if I said that right. I think it means like, you know, raping, you know, the, the will of the person. Disputing the property is like raping his will. The rapacity. That's a good word. I have to look it up later. Remember it. Que- uh, question 329. Is the respect which mankind in all ages and among all peoples has always instinctively shown to the dead to be attributed to an intuitive belief in a future state of existence? The answer The one is the natural consequence of the other. Were it not for that belief, such respect would have neither object nor meaning. All right. I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to read the next part, which is chapter 7. Chapter 7, Return to Corporeal Life. This chapter will include these topics. Number 1, Preludes 
to return. Number two, union of soul and body, abortion. Wow, they had that 162 years ago. That blows my mind. I didn't know that. Weird. Okay. Number three, moral and intellectual faculties of mankind. Number four, influence of organism. (laughs) Number five, idiocy (laughs) and madness. (laughs) Number six, infancy. Number seven, terrestrial sympathies and antipathies. Number eight, forgetfulness of the past. Preludes to return. Question 330. Do spirits foresee the epoch of their next return to corporeal life? The spirits answer, they have the presentiment of that return as a blind man feels the heat of the fire he is approaching. They know that they will be reincarnated, as you know that you will die, but without knowing when that change will occur. Hmm. Uh, Follow-up question. Reincarnation, then, is a necessity of spirit life, as death is a necessity of corporeal life? The spirits say, certainly. Or maybe they say, certainly. Question 331. Do all spirits occupy themselves beforehand with their approaching incarnation? The spirits answer, there are some who never give it a thought and who even know nothing about it. Hmm. That depends on their greater or lesser degree of advancement. In some cases, the uncertainty in which they are left in regard to their future is a punishment. Oh, yeah. Question 332. Can a spirit hasten or retard the moment of his reincarnation? They they say, he may hasten it by the action of a strong desire. He may also put it off if he shrink from the trial awaiting him. For the cowardly and the indifferent are to be found among spirits as among men. But he cannot do so with impunity. He suffers from such delay as the sick man suffers who shrinks from employing the remedy which alone can cure him. Hmm. Question 333. Woo! (laughs) If a spirit found himself tolerably happy in an average condition among errant spirits, could he prolong that state indefinitely? They say, no, not indefinitely. The necessity of advancing is one which is felt by every spirit sooner or later. All spirits have to ascend. It is their destiny. That was question 333. Did you guys get a chill? I mean, I'm just like, damn, I just got a chill, yo. That was awesome. (laughs) Question 334. Is the union of a given soul with a given body predestined beforehand, or is the choice of a body only made at the last moment? The spirits say, 
The spirit who is to animate a given body is always designated beforehand. Each spirit on choosing the trial he elects to undergo demands to be reincarnated and God, (laughs) the typo is God, (laughs) C-O-D, oh my God, literally it says God who's... Cod, who sees and knows all things. Okay. The big fish eye in the sky. Cod. Okay, God, I'm assuming it means. Who sees and knows all things, has foreseen and foreknown that such and such a soul would be united to such and such a body. Oh, it's weird. All right. I have something to say about a couple of these things later. Question 335. Is the spirit allowed to choose the body into which he will enter, or does he only choose the kind of life which is to serve for his trial? And the spirits say, he may choose a body also for the imperfections of a given body, and are so many trials that will aid his advancement. If he succeeds in vanquishing, vanquishing the obstacles thus placed in his way, This choice does not always depend on himself, but he may ask to be allowed to make it. Follow-up question. Could a spirit refuse at the last moment to enter into the body that had been chosen by him? Spirits answer. If he refused, he would suffer much more than one who had not attempted to undergo a new trial. Question 336. Could it happen that a child about to be born should find no spirit willing to incarnate himself in it? Uh, They say, God provides for all contingencies. Every child who is predestined to be born viable is also predestined to have a soul. Nothing is ever created without design. Well, it brings up a few questions for me. Okay, question 337. Is the union of a given soul with a given body ever imposed by God? The answer. It is sometimes imposed as well as the different trials are to be undergone by a spirit, and especially when the latter is still too backward to be able to choose wisely for himself. A spirit may be constrained as an expiation to unite himself with the body of a child that by the circumstances of its birth and the position it will have in the world will become for him an instrument of chastisement. Cool. Question 338. If several spirits demanded to incarnate themselves in a body about to be born, in what way would the decision be made between them? Oh, that's an interesting question. Wow. I never considered that was a possibility. The spirits say, in such a case, it's God who judges as to which spirit is best fitted to fulfill the destiny appointed for that child. But as I've already told you, the spirit is designated before the instant in which he is to unite himself with the body. Question 339. Is the moment of incarnation accompanied by a confusion similar to that which follows the spirit's separation from the body? 
they say, yes, but much greater and especially much longer. At death, the spirit is emancipated from the state of slavery, and at birth, he re-enters it. Yeah. Question 340. Does the moment in which he is to reincarnate himself appear to a spirit as a solemn one? Does he accomplish that act as something serious and important for him? And the spirit's answer, he is like a traveler who embarks on a perilous voyage and who does not know whether he may not find his death in the waves among which he is venturing. It actually says embarks on a perilous voyager. (laughs) If you're a traveler, don't ever embark upon a perilous voyager. (laughs) Only a perilous voyage. Well, maybe not that either. (laughs) Okay. The uh, answer to this is, uh, or what, I mean, not the answer. The um, commentary made by Alain Kardec is... Just as the death of the body is a sort of rebirth for the spirit, so reincarnation is for him a sort of death, or rather exile and claustration. That's a new word for me. He quits the world of spirits for the corporeal world, just as a man quits a corporeal world for the world of spirits. A spirit knows that he will be reincarnated, just as a man knows he will die, but like the latter, he only becomes aware of the change at the moment when it occurs. It is at this moment that the confusion produced by the change takes possession of him, as is the case with a man of the act of dying, and the confusion lasts until his new existence is fully established. The commencement of reincarnation is, for the spirit, a sort of dying. All right. Question 341. Is the spirit's uncertainty in regard to the successful issue of the trials he's about to undergo in his new life a cause of anxiety to him before his reincarnation? The spirits say, yes, a very great anxiety, since those trials will retard or hasten his advancement according, accordingly, as he shall have been born then either ill or well. Question 342. Is the spirit accompanied at the moment of his reincarnation by spirit friends who come to be present at his departure from the spirit world as they come to receive him when he returns to it? And the spirits say, that depends on the sphere which the spirit inhabits. If he belongs to a sphere in which affection reigns, spirits who love him remain with him at the last moment encourage him and often even follow him into his new life. Question 343. Is it the spirit friends who thus follow us in our earthly life that we sometimes see in our dreams manifesting affection for us, but whose features are unknown to us? The spirits answer, yes, in very many cases, they come to visit you as you visit a prisoner in his cell. It's a good explanation. Also an extremely snarky one, isn't it? Oh my God. Just like you visit a prisoner in his cell. Wow. All right. 
Union of Soul and Body Question 344 At what moment is the soul united to the body? The answer The union begins at the moment of conception but is only complete at the moment of birth. From the moment of conception, the spirit designated to inhabit a given body is united to that body by a fluidic link, which becomes closer and closer up until the instant of birth. The cry then uttered by the infant announces that he is numbered among the living. Question 345. Is the union between spirit and the body definitive from the moment of conception? Could the spirit during this first period of that union renounce inhabiting the body designed for him? The spirit's answer, the union between them is definitive in this sense, namely that no other spirit could replace the one who has been designated for that body. But as the links which hold them together are at first very weak, they're easily broken and may be severed by the will of a spirit who draws back from the trial he had chosen. But in that case, the child does not live. Question 346. What becomes of a spirit if the body he has chosen happens to die before birth answer he chooses another body (laughs) follow-up what can be the use of premature deaths follow-up such deaths are most frequently caused by the imperfections of matter question 347 what benefit can a spirit derive from his incarnation in a body which dies a few days after birth. Answer. In such a case, a new being's consciousness of his existence is so slightly developed that his death is of little importance. As we've told you, such deaths are often intended mainly as a trial for the parents. Question 348. Does the spirit know beforehand that the body he chooses has no chance of living? Answer. Sometimes he knows it, but if he chooses it on this account, it's because he shrinks from the trial he foresees. Question 349. When, from any cause, a spirit has failed to accomplish a proposed incarnation is another existence provided for him immediately (coughs) answer no not always immediately the spirit requires time to make a new choice unless his instantaneous instantaneous reincarnation had been previously decided upon question 350 When a spirit is definitively united (coughs) to an infant body and it is thus too late for him to refuse this union, 
Does he sometimes regret the choice he's made? It's like freaking, yeah, every day sometimes. Okay. <laughs> so, the spirits say, <clears throat> If you mean to ask whether as a man he may complain of his life he has to undergo, and whether he may not wish it were otherwise, I answer yes. But if you mean to ask whether he regrets the choice he has made, I answer no. For he does not remember that he's made it. A spirit once incarnated cannot regret a choice which he is not conscious of having made. But he may find the burden he has assumed too heavy. And if he believes it to be beyond his strength, he may have recourse to suicide. Question 351. Does a spirit in the interval between conception and birth enjoy the use of all his faculties? <clears throat> the answer, he does so he does so more or less according to the various periods of gestation, for he is not yet incarnated in his new body, but only attached to it. From the instant of conception, confusion begins to take possession of the spirit, who is thus made aware that the moment has come for him to enter upon a new existence. And this confusion becomes more and more dense until the period of birth. In the interval between these two terms, his state is nearly that of an incarnated spirit during the sleep of the body. In proportions as the moment of birth approaches, his ideas become effaced. Together with the remembrance of the past, of which once, when once he has entered upon corporeal life, he is no longer conscious. But this remembrance comes back to him, little by little, when he has returned to the spirit world. Question 352. Does the spirit at the moment of birth <clears throat> recover the plenitude of its faculties? Spirit's answer, no. They are gradually developed, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> they are gradually developed with the growth of his organs. The corporeal life is for him a new existence. He has to learn to use, he has to learn the use of his bodily instruments. His ideas come back to him little by little, as in the case of a man who waking out of slumber should find himself in a different situation from that in which he was before he fell asleep. Question 353. The union of the spirit and the body not being completely and definitively consummated until birth has taken place, can the fetus be considered as having a soul? The spirits say, the spirit who is to animate it exists, as it were, outside of it, 
Strictly speaking, therefore, it has no soul. Since the incarnation of the latter <coughs> is only in course of being affected, but it is linked to the soul which it is to have. Question 354. What is the nature of intrauterine life? The spirits say, <laughs> Oh, gee, it must be this exact time every night this happens. Do you hear it in the background? <laughs> Let me restart that. Question 354. What is the nature of intrauterine life? The spirits say, <laughs> that of the plant which vegetates. The fetus, however, lives with vegetable and animal life to which the union of a soul with the child body at birth adds spiritual life. Question 355. Are there, as indicated by science, children so constituted that they cannot live and if so, for what purposes are they produced? <clears throat> Answer. That often happens. Such births are permitted as a trial, either for the parents or for the spirit appointed to animate it. Question 356. Are there among stillborn children some who were never intended for the incarnation of a spirit? Answer, yes, there are some who never had a spirit assigned to them, for whom nothing was to be done. In such a case, it's simply a trial for the parents that the child arrives. Uh, Follow-up, can a being of this nature come to its term? Answer, yes, sometimes, but it doesn't live. Oh, that's weird. Wow, that's very weird. That gives me pause for real. Okay, um, follow-up. Every child that survives its birth then necessarily has a spirit incarnated in it. In it. Answer, what would it be if such were not the case? It wouldn't be a human being, right? Question 357, what are for a spirit the consequences of abortion? Answer, it is an existence that is null and must be commenced over again. I don't think that's true. Wait a minute. Oh, I see. I don't think that means for the person doing the abortion. I think that's for the aborted child or fetus. I think what that means is the spirit just has to find another body. Question 358. Is artificial abortion a crime no matter at what period of gestation it may be produced. Wait a minute, crime, that that's like human legal, legal speak. <clears throat> and they say, 
Every transgression of the law of God is a crime. The mother or any other who takes the life of an unborn child is necessarily criminal, for by doing so, a soul is prevented from undergoing the trial of which the body thus destroyed was to have been the instrument. I don't know. Okay, I take issue with this because I feel like sometimes an unwanted pregnancy will occur as a trial for the parent or potential parent and no spirit was ever attached to it because everyone knew what was going to happen beforehand. I don't think it's a crime. I feel like it's a trial. I mean, I don't know. Only God himself directly knows. The spirits are just saying what they believe, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I take a little bit of issue with that, but okay. Question 352. <clears throat> in cases in which the life of the mother would be endangered by the birth of the child, is it a crime to sacrifice a child in order to save the mother? And the answer is, it's better to sacrifice the being whose existence is not yet complete than the being whose existence is complete. Right, obviously. So basically, save the mother. She can have another baby later. A lot of times the same soul will come back to that same mother, like just a few years later, by the way, especially in the cases of miscarriage, but we'll see if they say anything about that. Question 360. Is it rational to treat the fetus with the same respect as the body of a child that has lived? The spirits say in the one as in the other, you should recognize the will and handiwork of God, and there are always to be respected. Okay. Moral and intellectual faculties. Number three, or yeah, question 361. Whence has man his moral qualities, good or bad? They answer, they are those of the spirit who is incarnated in him. The pure is that spirit, the more decidedly is the man inclined to goodness. Follow-up. It would seem then that a good man is the incarnation of a good spirit, and a vicious man that of a bad spirit? Answer. Yes, but you should rather say of an imperfect spirit. Otherwise, it might be supposed that there are spirits who will always remain bad, which is what you call <clears throat> devils. Question 362. What is the character of the individuals in whom light and foolish spirits are incarnated? Answer. They are hare-brained, prankish, and sometimes mischievous. (laughs) What? The character of the individuals in whom light and foolish spirits are incarnated hair-brained, prankish, and sometimes mischievous. (laughs) Oh, my God. Question 363. I mean, does that mean... Seriously, does that mean that my mother was hair-brained, prankish, and sometimes mischievous? Maybe a little bit. (laughs) Uh, 
it's like it's like it's like talking about the mothers of Hayoka shamans. Are they harebrained, prankish, and sometimes mischievous? <laughs> Emerald, you wrote me today. You're a Hayoka shaman. I know you're gonna hear this one. Let me know if your mother is harebrained, prankish, and sometimes mischievous. I think my mom might have been that way. <clears throat> okay, question three sixty three. Have spirits any passions that do not belong to humanity? Answer, no. If they had, they would communicate them to you. That doesn't make any sense, though. They're not talking about extraterrestrials. All right, never mind. Question 364. Excuse me. I love when the sudden allergies come on out of nowhere. Okay. Question 364. Is it one and the same spirit that gives a man both his moral and his intellectual qualities? Answer. Certainly it is the same. A man has not two spirits in him. Except for David Bowie, who had two different colored eyes, and there's like an old wives' tale that that means you have two souls in one body. But I don't know if that's true. I just I have no idea what else it would be, but... Anyway, 365. How comes it that some men who are very intelligent, which shows that they have in them a spirit of considerable advancement, are also extremely vicious? Answer. It's because the spirit incarnated in a man is not sufficiently purified, and the man yields to the influence of other spirit still worse than himself the upward progress of a spirit is accomplished by slow degrees but this progress does not take place simultaneously in all directions at one period of his career he may advance in knowledge at another in morality question 366 what is to be thought of the opinion according to which a man's various intellectual <clears throat> and moral faculties are the product of so many different spirits incarnated in him and each possessing a special aptitude? Answer. The absurdity of such an opinion becomes evident on a moment's reflection. Each spirit is destined to possess all possible aptitudes. But in order to progress, he must possess one soul in unitary will. If a man were an amalgam of different spirits, this unitary will would not exist, and he would possess no individuality, because at his death all the spirits would fly off in different directions, like birds escaped from a cage. (laughs) Men often complain of not comprehending certain things, and yet how ingenious they are in multiplying difficulties <laughs> while they have within reach the simplest, most natural of explanations. <clears throat> in such an opinion is or such an opinion is but another instance of the way in which men so often take the effect for the cause. It does for man what the pagans did for God. They believed in the existence of as many gods as there are phenomena in the universe. But even among them, the more sensible ones only saw in those phenomena a variety of effects having for their cause one and the same God. And he writes, 
The physical and moral worlds offer us in regard to this subject numerous points of comparison. While the attention of mankind was confined to the appearance of natural phenomena, they believed in the existence of many kinds of matter. In the present day, it's seen that all those phenomena, however varied, may very probably be merely the result of modifications of a single elementary matter. The various faculties of a human being are manifestations of one and the same cause, which is the soul or spirit incarnated in him, and not of several souls, just as the different sounds of an organ are the product of one and the same air, and not as many sorts of air as there are sounds. According to the theory in question, when a man acquires or loses aptitudes or tendencies, such modifications would be the result of the coming or going of a corresponding number of the spirits conjoined with him, which would make of him a multiple being without individuality and consequently without responsibility. This theory, moreover, is disproved by the numerous manifestations of spirits which conclusively demonstrate their personality and their identity. Well, there you have it, guys. We'll come back to the rest of this chapter next week. <clears throat> so there's a couple things I wanted to discuss real quick. Um, basically, from my experience... And from my research and my conversations with my spirit guides and divine and all that, what I understand, okay, when when a uh, miscarriage is going to happen automatically, they the spirit said that usually it means that a spirit is not attached to the body, you know, if it's destined to die. There's usually an spirit attached, and sometimes it's when it needs to have consciousness for a few minutes and then leaves. But it didn't mention miscarriage, and I had a miscarriage. And right after my first miscarriage, um, my uh, <coughs> oldest child that I have now, she um, taunted and teased and haunted me for months after the miscarriage, like six months after. So the reason why I had gotten pregnant and then the miscarriage occurred was that it was going to be an automatic, it, it was just, it, it was like a connection. Like, the, like she wanted to come and tell me, Hey, I'm on my way. It's a reminder or like a wake up call that, Hey, I'm definitely going to come. You don't have to worry. Uh, this wasn't the right timing. But when you find my dad, and you have to look for my dad now, basically. And when I found my children's father, I hadn't met him yet. And when I found him, I started having dreams about the same child that was haunting me. <laughs> and she's like, whose instructions are you following? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, when... You know, don't you want me? What's wrong with you? You know, like, yeah, I definitely want you. I can't wait to have you in my life. And she's like, okay, good. I'm glad. And I woke up going, oh my God. I have to leave my current husband 
and go marry this guy and have his child. I I mean, I just knew it. It was like this instant, like, (sighs) I knew I had to do it. It sounds horrible, but I mean, later I found out it's because um, it was karma. It was a debt we had to settle with my first husband and I, who was a lovely person. And I I don't know him now, but if I saw him tomorrow, I'd give him a big hug. I mean, he's he was a very sweet person in this life. <clears throat> but in past life, he took away my love. He killed him. And in this life, I had to take away his love, which was me. I had to leave him for the man he killed in past life. I didn't know it at the time. It was a horrible thing that happened, but it just felt horrible to me. Just, I hated leaving him because he was a good man. But when I met Terrell, I knew he was the one He was my soulmate. But, um, when I first met him immediately, the same spirit who came to me before was like, good, you finally found him. And once we actually got together in our first day in our new apartment together, she started haunting him. And she, and like he was in, in the, um, bathroom waiting for the bathtub to fill up. He was going to take a bath, a cold bath. It was very hot. It was in July when we moved together and it was like 4th of July weekend, freedom weekend. And he, um, was sitting on the edge of the bathtub waiting for the bathtub to fill up. And all of a sudden her spirit came to him and she's like, what are you doing? Get in there and have sex with my mom. (laughs) And he's like, Oh my God. I'm like, what? He's like, she just came and visited me. Oh my God. She's adorable. And boy, is she precocious as hell. I'm like, yeah, I know. Now she's a he and wants to be an astronaut (laughs) and studying quantum mechanics, quantum physics. My oldest is extremely precocious and always was. But um, the way that she looks, or that he looked when he was a she, was exactly the way that we saw, saw the spirit. <clears throat> threw me for a loop when, when he wanted to be a he. I was like, whoa, because I didn't see that coming. I had only, this spirit had only projected to me the feminine side, but that was meant to be a trial for me personally because my husband was dead by the time that this happened. But it's not much of a trial. I accept my kid and I love him no matter what. But the miscarriage thing was very interesting. I mean, he would run by me and slap me in the leg. He would... um turn lights on and off and I would hear laughter in my apartment and I'd hear running of little feet. In fact, I think someone asked me if there was a child in my apartment. I'm like, no, (laughs) it's a ghost of a child. (laughs) You know, it was just, it was pretty crazy. I lived in a building with all old retired people and they were desperate to rent it out and no one wanted to live there because of all the old people and I wanted to live there because well because the old people there was a swimming pool and no one was ever using it oh I had a pool to myself oh my god it was glorious I mean I swam day and night not that I swim very well but it was a very small pool and it was easy to get from one end to the other and (laughs) anyway then I got to lay out in the sun and get a little bit I won't say tan but some color I had a little bit more than piece of paper, <laughs> you know, like recycled paper, you know, anyway. Um, but as far as 
spirits that are that that don't know they're going to be reincarnated and get reincarnated right away those are the bad spirits the the evil ones the ones that chose the dark path they don't get the benefit of going to the other side in my experience and in my um in my research okay they don't get the benefit of going to the other side seeing loved ones being cocooned being loved meeting up with their angels and their guides and their family and meeting god and all that they don't get all that you know if someone who's really evil dies reincarnated immediately they don't get spirit guides those of us who are spiritual and we want to serve humanity i mean it means all of you listening to this most of the people out there most of the people actually it takes up to a million years earth time to figure out the life that you're going to have um you don't pick out your physical features until the end but you have to pick parents that are going to have those genetic things you've got to talk to those parents beforehand sometimes you're reincarnated along your ancestral family line so you could continue a project or continue to like for example stop racism in your family line or stop slavery and racism in your family line or stop a cycle of abuse or whatever so like when you're going through <clears throat> you know all these things are have to be taken into consideration then you have to look at the time of what's going on or what is kind of meant to happen and if you're meant to be a part of it it depends on your life theme and I still haven't done a show on this yet but some of the life themes have to do with politics and what's going on on a global scale that those kind of lives might take more than a million years to plan because it's all the intricate things in the details <clears throat> you know like are you going to meet on this corner or that are you going to almost meet 20 times before you actually meet that's all planned out in advance so think about all the intricate things that i mean if you don't know if you're going to go to the mall today or not and you go to the mall today and the love of your life is standing in line ahead of you at the mall and you lock eyes and then you don't meet again for five more years Think about the planning that has to go to get both of you to decide randomly to go to the mall that day at that time, at the exact same time, and to go to that exact same store and to buy things at that exact same. Like think about all the computations and permutations and just the math itself. It makes me want to throw up how much information goes into that. And your spirit guides have to know every single nuance, every thought, every action, every habit that you have had since the dawn of your soul being created. As well as sit with you and talk to you for a few thousand years before you get reincarnated so that they can help you in all the different ways. Usually people that become a spirit guide for you Don't ever freaking do it again cuz it's hard. It's hard. Most of the time they just go, "Oh hell no." Next time you're getting a different spirit guide because this is bullshit. It's too much. It's too much. It's too heart-wrenching. It's too <sighs> frustrating. You know, they're your best best friend and they know you more than you know yourself. <laughs> 
but your holy guardian angel was assigned at you when you first were created and you have the same holy guardian angel for ever in every incarnation, no matter what planet you're on. I'm asking God. Yeah. God just says, yes, that's true. Now your, um, <clears throat> but your spirit guide is different every time because they just can't take it over and over and over again. It's exhausting. It's gotta be exhausting to be a spirit guide. But the way that Sylvia Brown talks about this is um, a third of the souls are absolutely dark path evil and they get reincarnated again and again real quick. And a third of the souls are middle of the roaders. They don't know if they're good or bad. They kind of walk that middle path. And then a third of the spirits are absolutely good, always on the side of God and the light. It makes sense to me that that's the way it is in, in, a, in the dichotomy world in the, in the you know polar opposite up and down opposite world <laughs> basically in the world of um, basically in the world of duality in the third dimension so but basically though we are in the fifth dimension now so who knows how many I mean maybe the rest of us are all good now or middle of the rotors and good. I don't know. I don't think the real evil ones are going to be able to be in the fifth dimension with us, but that's a discussion for another day, I guess. Anyway, um, I want to thank you guys for being on this journey with me. You all are the good ones. And when you die, you will have support right now. You do currently have support. If you don't know how, or you haven't, contacted these people go back and listen to my episode on your spirit support your spiritual support team you know if you saw that description and thought it sounded boring like I'm telling you to go get a life coach or something no 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 I'm talking about people who are disincarnate and they're here for you they're your spiritual guides that are with you 100% of the time once you ask you assemble the team and ask them they're with you day and night. When you need them, you call upon them and they're there to help you. You're having a moment of crisis. You feel suicidal or depressed or like you can't go on anymore or that you're going to die of loneliness or a broken heart. You call your spiritual team. They're going to send immediately angels around you. Sometimes they'll send spirits to you. I was having these really deep, dark moments back last year. That's when Hunter S. Thompson, who killed himself, and Robin Williams, who killed himself, they're coming to be at my side to cheer me up. Now, Hunter S. Thompson is doing it in his crazy way of um, being really snarky and sarcastic and hilarious all at once. And Robin Williams is just constantly trying to cheer me up. And they've had to come to me to my side three or four times. And they haven't been with me for a while, but maybe about four or five months ago. And um, it, but when I channeled Robin Williams this last time, it, it wasn't because of that. It's because he came to me and said, I want to talk to the people. I'm like, all right, good, let's do it. <clears throat> but I love both of these guys, and I've gotten to know them after their death. I might know them when I'm, you know, disembodied, but I did not know them in this life physical, physically, other than I knew their work, you know, as you know, Hunter is an author and Robin is an actor, 
but, um, I don't know. You have a spiritual team. So I want you guys to go back to that episode, listen to it again, come up with all the things that you need to have all of the tools at your disposal, your spiritual guidance team. They're going to help you every step of the way. You also have a spiritual medical team. And I talked about how to do that as well. And I'm going to come up with a couple more of these. I have a couple more of these that you can do. And in, in the coming weeks, we'll, or maybe months, we'll come up with all that. Anyway, thank you for being on this journey, on this spiritual, crazy spiritual path with me. And for anchoring into the fifth dimension with me. And for going through all this random crap we've been going through. I'm so happy that we all decided to do this together at this time. And I'm just trying to give my voice, lend my voice to this movement to help more and more people awaken at the expense of my sounding like an insane person, but I don't care. I I could give a crap less of people thinking me. So that's pretty much (laughs) why it just doesn't matter. And I'm able to be so open about everything that's been in my life because only God can judge me in the end. And, um, we judge ourselves as well when we get to the end, but we shouldn't do it now. Obviously. Well, that's all I'm going to say about that. I love each and every one of you. Any one of you who wishes to contact me for any little thing or for clarification or any, anything at all, just contact me at metaphysical soul speak at gmail.com. And it's in the show's description as well. All right, that's it, guys. I am going to go now. (laughs) Signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Until next time, guys, peace. Do you ever wish you could look into the next chapter in your book of life and see what's coming next? What does the universe have in store for you? I can help you with that. I will give you a Celtic cross reading, which is 10 cards, or you can ask me three questions and I use three cards per question. So that's nine cards or I can channel your higher guidance or maybe God directly for you. Maybe you want to talk to your dear departed Aunt Edna because maybe you have a few questions and she was the smartest person you knew. If your deceased relatives are available or your ascended masters, I can channel them for you personally. Let me have one hour to show you the future in your next chapter of your book of life. Readings are $75 and it takes me an hour to an hour and a half to complete. And for this price, you will also be hooked up to the healing grid around the planet for free, which means yours truly 
Me, I will be giving you Reiki 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life. All you have to do is let me know. MetaphysicalSoulSpeak at gmail.com and we will explore your future together.